Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. Alright, so, I was on my way back from work. And, that was Wednesday, I think, yes, so, and... I'd finished work so late because um, the new place is a bit hectic. Some of you have been trying to reach me and I've not been able to reach me. Uh, and so, I was going to come back to Ikorodu. So, for those of you who know um, Lagos and are in Nigeria, you know how far Ikorodu is from Ikoi. It is actually a distance. And so, a friend, you know, a colleague in the office gave me an alternative and he says, Oh, let's try the boats. And I'm like, Ha, boats. Hmm. I don't trust anything in Nigeria. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but I don't, I don't trust anything in Nigeria. But in Nigeria, before we reach the middle of the... I've heard stories. People reach the middle of the water, before we finish in the engine, and then the captain will turn to the mechanic. Ah, I'm not doing it with you. But he's like, it's going to just take 30 minutes. And I'm like, that's a good deal. Because if I'm going to enter, but it's probably going to take me three hours. So if I'm leaving the office by six, I'm probably going to get home something later, like nine or ten. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to... I'm like, okay, 30 minutes on a boat is fair. I'm going to get home early. I'm going to rest. I'm going to do everything. And then I'm going to be here. And so, I went with him. Now, it wasn't the normal boat. It was Lag Ferry. And it was really good. I'm like, okay, thank God that this is Lag Ferry. And it's not those ones that are just like they are floating on the water. And so we went on, and when we got there, and it was our turn, we were supposed to, you know, board the normal lag ferry, but they gave us a ferry that is slightly bigger than um, the normal one. So they gave me the life jacket, first time in my life wearing a life jacket, first time in my life I'm going to go on water, I'm like, Holy Ghost, to you be my glory. Thank God I'm saved. <laughs> and, you know, and someone helped me put it on. I got on the boat, you know, when we were even going, I thought what we were walking on was concrete. Meanwhile, even what we were walking on was floating on the water. So <laughs> it was scary at some point. And then I walked down and got, got on the boat. And the boat was moving. And because the bigger one, there was space to walk around. And so we started to move. And while I was on, on the water, I was feeling a bit nauseated because I probably think it was like my first time. So that was why I was feeling that way. So And then I was smelling like um, fear or something. And so I decided I could not just sit down there and I would be tired and the noise of the engine and everything. And so because it was a bigger ferry, I, I went to the back. And then while we were moving, I just stayed at the back and I, I, could, I was enjoying the view. I mean, water all around. I was seeing the you know, lights of Ikoyi, Leki and everything. And then it was a good time for me to pray. And so I started praying. started praying towards this meeting. I started praying towards the camp meeting. And the Lord started to tell me a few things about the camp meeting. And while I was praying, I couldn't but just marvel at creation itself because now I was in the middle of a large body of water. Nothing to my left, nothing to my right. And the first thing I thought of was if the earth was flat, I probably would be able to see what was at the end. But I, I realized that, oh, okay, you know, it's, it's right that science is saying the earth is round, so that's why it's like I can't see what's at the back. And that was just a normal thinking. But after that, I was just sort of enjoying the moment while I was praying. And then I noticed this, the structure beside me, which was um, Third Milan Bridge. Now, for those of you who know Third Milan Bridge, Third Milan Bridge is actually the longest of three bridges that connect Lagos Mainland and Lagos Island. And it is a very long bridge. 
it's estimated to be about 11.8 kilometers. Now, when I say 11.8 kilometers, you probably cannot relate to what I mean, like, oh, 11.8 kilometers. Yeah, okay, that's fine. But let me put it in perspective. How many of you have ever jogged around a standard stadium? Do you know how, how, how far that is? What that distance is? That is just 400 meters. Now, it takes a thousand meters to make one kilometer. Are you with me? Yes, so, Thornmelan Bridge is probably as long as running or driving around a track, a standard track, 29 times. That gives you more perspective, right? Because even when you are tired, now imagine 29 times. And so we were going so long, and it was at my side. And he seemed not to be moving. He was adjusting us. And I was like, when are we going to pass this bridge? And he kept on going. He kept on going. He kept on going. And I was just like, this is really long. And for the first time, I had to think about what it would have taken for them to build that structure. Because it's in the middle of water. And the little poles that were holding it together seemed so close to me, yet so many. And I started to imagine... This is impossible. I, I thought of it like people in those days. I was like, if it was me, I would have been like, is it by force to connect island to mainland? Let's just be using boats. <laughs> Why would somebody think of building a bridge across such a large body of water? Oh my God, if you've considered how long... It, it, was, it was for the first time it was dawning on me that this is very long. I thought about it and I wondered and I was like this is great and this is man's creation and immediately I saw the God-given intelligence I saw the intelligence that God gave to man the kind of mind that God gave to man I saw man in the, in the likeness of God I saw man dominating he needed to connect two places and though it seemed impossible, he believed and he imagined it possible. And he made it happen. If you're not an architect, you probably cannot fathom. No, think of it. How did they put the bricks? Did they, the 500 people, how did they put the brick in the one in the middle? Have you thought of it before? Did they carry it on a ship? Did they build it there? How did they put cement inside water for it to dry? Do you, do you get what I'm saying? It's deep. And it's deep. How did they make such a large structure to hold? Were the guys floating? Were they swimming? How did they build the how did they put the first one in the ocean bed? And it made me realize that it seemed impossible. But the kind of mind that God gave to man, the dominion. That God gave to man. Made him able to see situations. See problems. And look beyond the, the, the impossible. And that's what I thought about the airplane. Shaped like a bird. Gliding through the skies. Nothing under it. It makes sense for a jetpack. When there is something pushing. Mm -hmm. But the airplane... about it. And I thought of the kind of mind that God gave man. 
I was enjoying the view. I was praying. I was joining midweek service. But I couldn't just want, you know, you don't know what it takes to build a, a skyscraper. But when you're on top of it and you look down, you're like, ah, ah. Mm-hmm. how? You see them put one long crane and from that one crane, oh my God, man must be super intelligent. And in that spot, I just realized that man has an extraordinary mind. A mind that can picture the impossible. A mind that can attempt the unthinkable. Hallelujah. Amen. A mind that dares to believe the impossible. And every century, you see man daring to do the impossible. In our age and time, you're hearing about artificial intelligence agents. Man trying to create a system that can take decisions on his own. That's dominion at work. You see man, man thinking of how he can solve the problem. So, some people are thinking of even going to space. It shows you that the kind of mind that the man has is a, man, is, is a mind that can dare do the impossible. Dare do the unthinkable. Hallelujah. God. And we have various expressions of this in the world today. And so the problem with the supernatural is not that people cannot imagine it or comprehend it. The problem is that we have come up with comfortable excuses and philosophies that attempt to explain everything when there is no explanation that mind, that, that idea denies it. It denies the fact of the reality. I take that again. The problem with the supernatural is not that people cannot imagine it or people cannot comprehend it. The problem is that we have come up with comfortable excuses and philosophies that attempt to explain everything and when it cannot find an explanation to it, it denies the fact of the reality of that thing. Because if the mind of a man can think of, of crossing an ocean bed, then that same mind can think of walking on water. Are you getting me? If that mind can think of an airplane, then that mind can think of a man flying. Do you see that? Yes, sir. And I stood and I thought, what then is the problem? Why then do we find it hard to believe the supernatural? These are things that seem impossible. Mm-hmm. You see, but the moment we get to the place where we can't explain the fabric of why such a thing is happening, man resorts to excuses to say that thing is not real or is, or is not possible. I used to watch a lot of medical series when I used to have time. <laughs> and Jasmine used to recommend some for me. <laughs> You're tempting your man of God to watch movies. Some used to be recommending prayer for me. <laughs> you are recommending Grace Anatomy. And what was that other one? She said she watched uh, Chicago PD, a B, yeah. Chicago Med or something. And Residence. That's what you are recommending for me, Jasmine. Is she here? <laughs> Anyways, and I realized that 
regardless of how much these guys try to excuse it. Have you noticed that in every medical series, they never talk down on the mysterious healing of people? They show you the fact that the doctors don't want to believe that it's possible, but it happens. I literally watched one that when the, the, when, when the, the, the people who believe in healing are there, the church group, when they are there, people get better. And then the, 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 the doctor kept on saying, oh no, it's not about them. And then when they left, everybody fell sick back. He had to go and call them to come back. And so that's the thing. The supernatural exists. Science, even in itself, has not been able to explain many of these things. Hallelujah. God. So the problem is that once people can't find an explanation to it, they say it's not true. They say it's not real. Is it possible for the sick to be healed? Yes. But they say we have doctors. Is it possible for body parts that have been cut off to regenerate? Yes. But they say the, the body has the ability to regenerate. Hallelujah. They say we've seen things like that in the foot. We've seen things like that in skin covering itself. But when it happens without human intervention, people have problems with it. So you are in a hospital and somebody's hand is... They will find an explanation. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Please God. But the supernatural is real. Say the supernatural is real. The supernatural is real. Supernatural is real. You see, for Africans, it's not very hard to convince us of the existence of the supernatural. It's a common thing in this part of the world. Every one of us probably has a grandfather or a great-grandfather or somebody at least in the first five generations who is in the occult. It's a normal thing. Like, they play with it here. Is You grow up with the fear of an uncle. Even if there's nobody in your family, your family grows up with the fear of somebody chasing them. <laughs> And do you think that those fears are unfounded? They are because of actual experiences people have had. People see it every day. And so they get wary of it. Can I tell you something once again? The supernatural is real. I don't know because I heard stories. I know because the Bible even speaks of it. Hallelujah. God has a reputation all through scriptures, doing the supernatural, he guided and directed his people supernaturally. You cannot be an Israelite and doubt that the supernatural exists. Too. God literally made the Israelites walk in the belly of the ocean with water congealed left and right. It will never be, you will, you will find it hard to convince such people that the supernatural is not real. God fed them with manna from heaven. Hallelujah. God. Jesus came on the scene and did many miracles, some of which are recorded in history. His apostles went out doing many miracles even after his death. Today, 
We still see many miracles on the Catalyst Fellowship. Say hallelujah. 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 The supernatural hallelujah. is real. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. I urge you, this is not a meeting to listen to halfway and leave. Be here till the end. We're going to pray. So as I'm teaching, don't get carried away. Just continue praying under your breath, mortar in tongues. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. He says, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine. That is, scriptures are inspired by God and they are profitable for what? For doctrine. For reproof. I've explained this to you before. That scriptures have to be our basis for doctrine. What is doctrine? What we believe. For reproof. What is reproof? Evidence for what we believe. Proof. For correction. And for what? Instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So the Bible has to be your basis for what you believe, what you teach, evidence, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Hallelujah. Praise God. This shows you clearly that information about instruction in righteousness has to come from where? The word of God. There should be no other basis for instruction in righteousness but the word of God. Not your culture, not your biases, not your temperament. Instruction in righteousness has to come from where? The word of God. The word of God has to influence you. Not your temperament influencing the word of God. Some people say, I don't attend that church. Because I'm not the type of person who shouts. I don't like distress. I'm calm. I'm reserved. Melancholy. I'm sanguine. My horoscope star is this one, and we don't make noise. If we make noise too much, we will not find good husband. <laughs> the word of God has to influence, not that. I don't, I don't go to that church because of this. I don't go to that church because of that. Listen, when it comes to charismatic ministry, it has everything to do with the word of God and nothing to do with your temperament or your culture. What did I say? When it comes to charismatic ministry, it has everything to do with the word of God and it has nothing to do with your temperament or your personality type. Hallelujah. Amen. So when we ask you a question, do you speak in tongues? You say, no, I'm Catholic. I don't ask you what your denomination is. I say, do you speak in tongues? We ask you, do you speak in tongues? You say, I'm orthodox. We did not say, where did you grow up? We simply ask, do you speak in tongues? Have you laughed in the spirit before? Have you sang in the spirit? No. I'm not, that's not what I asked you. If you really understand what it means to be orthodox, you will speak in tongues. You will laugh in the spirit. <laughs> you will join the spirit. What does it mean to be orthodox? To be orthodox means to be following the creed of the early church. <laughs> to be doing what? To be following the creed of the early church. And so, if you are truly orthodox, 
The early church were charismatic. They prayed in tongues. They were expressive in the gifts of the supernatural. The church in Corinth was so expressive. They were, they, they were active in the, in the distribution of the gifts. And so if you're truly orthodox, we will see you active. We will see you charismatic. Do you speak in tongues? No, I'm Catholic. If you are truly following Mary, the Bible records and tells us of the accounts in the upper room that Mary and the brothers of Jesus were there and all who were there did what? Spoke in tongues. Then you will speak in tongues. Hallelujah. Then you will speak in tongues. The word of God has to be your basis. Not denomination. Not how you were brought up. When you were a child, they taught you about Santa Claus. You grew up and you challenged the idea of Santa Claus. Why are you not challenging the doctrines you came up with? Why are you not comparing it with the word of God? What does the word of God say about the supernatural? It's what you should be searching for. Not what your denomination says. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1. Scripture says, follow after charity. For those of you who were here when we did the Bible study on 1 Corinthians, you would know the flow of thoughts from the beginning. And so he comes here and he says, follow after charity and do what? Desire spiritual gifts. And do what? Desire spiritual gifts. Oh, I can't hear you. And do what? Desire spiritual gifts. Desire spiritual gifts. It says, but rather that you may prophesy. It says, desire spiritual gifts. Desire. The word desire there in the Greek is the word zelo. Z-E-L-O-O. Zelo. And zelo means to burn with zeal. Zelo means what? To burn with zeal. To be zealously affected. So the Bible says, Follow after charity and what? And born with zeal for spiritual gifts. Born with zeal. Born with zeal. The word of God is not talking about something that is a luxury. It's talking about something that is an instruction. Something you cannot be indifferent about. It was an instruction. The Bible clearly says it. It says what? Desires. There are no spiritual gifts. Born for it. Desire it. If you check other places where the word zelo was used, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31. Say after me, the supernatural is for me. The supernatural is for me. The supernatural is for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31. It says, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet shew I unto you a more excellent way. And this is a clearer rendition. The same word desire is the same word used here that is rendered as what? Covet. This, this properly puts it in context. When it says desire, it might sound soft. But covet! Not just covet, but do what? Covet earnestly. Covet earnestly. And here he's talking about charismatic gifts. Covet earnestly charismatic gifts. 
This is the second time. So it was not a mistake when he mentioned it the first time. It's an instruction. Be seriously affected. Hallelujah. Amen. In the same chapter. Okay, actually, go to 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 39. A third place. It says, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, and forbid not to speak with tongues. Hallelujah. Covet to prophesy. It should be a burning desire in your heart. A zeal. A culture. Not something that people do and you just pass by them. No. Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't say speaking in tongues is not for everyone. No child of God should have a neutral position about the things of the Spirit. The Bible instructed it in three places we read now. This means it's not something to pass by, it's something to chase after. Hallelujah. Praise God. It is something to what? Chase after. So be zealous about spiritual things. Have an overwhelming desire for it. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, the word covetousness talks about the fruit of the flesh. The only time it becomes a good thing when it is used is when it's talking about spiritual gifts or the things of God. Covetousness used for inordinate things you know, it's a word that can mean different things in different in two different contexts. So, if you check the other meanings of the word zelo, what is there is envy. Are you with me? Yes, sir. What is there is what? Envy. It's envy. Hatred. To be boiled with envy, hatred, and anger towards something. Are you with me? Yes, so, it's a neutral word. When interpreted in context, a wicked person can have zelo, but the context makes it bad, makes it good or bad. So the same desire you would have for the things of the world, if you were there, that burning passion, that's what the Bible says, to have for the things of the spirit, for the supernatural. Hallelujah. Amen. For example, you see zelo used. Acts chapter 7 and verse 9. 9 and 10. Or just 9. Let's, 9 and 10. And the patriarch moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him. So, the patriarch moved with Zelo. That desire, that envy, sold Joseph into Egypt. You see that? So, you see how strong the word Zelo is in usage. Hallelujah. Praise God. So like you chase after every every other inordinate passion, have the same desire, have that desire for the supernatural. I'm talking about raw passion for the supernatural. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm talking about what? Raw, raw passion for the supernatural. For the supernatural. Raw hunger for the supernatural. Some of you have not chased anything with your whole life before. You chase the supernatural. That's what the Bible says. Desire it. Desire it. 
He won't tell you to desire it if it was not for you. Like he said, desire it. Chase after it. You need to see that a, you, you cannot imagine a local assembly without the supernatural. A gathering of believers without the expressions of the charismatic is an aberration. What did I say? A gathering of believers without the expression of the supernatural is what? Is an aberration. If you've been going about your life, nothing to show for it, no charismatic expression, no tongues, no utterance, no expression, no healing. You've been living a life that is opposite to your reality in Christ. The man in Christ is a supernatural man. Hallelujah. God. The man in Christ is what? He's a supernatural man. He's a supernatural man. Are you, are, you, are, you, are you born in where you are? Are you praying? Are you getting what I'm saying? The man in Christ is what? He's a supernatural man. Imagining a local assembly without the expression of the gifts of the Spirit is like imagining a goat flying. Hallelujah. Don't conform, don't, don't conform the word, you know, to your mindset. Change your mindset with the word of God. Yes, sir. He said they should stop putting pressure on you. That the Holy Spirit gives who we will. Desire is what the Bible says. If the Holy Spirit gives who we will, who we will, the Bible will not tell you three times to desire. Convert earnestly. Yes, sir. Chase after it. It's for you. Mm -hmm. Don't let ideologies of the devil limit what God has set you to do. Hallelujah. Praise God. Convert earnestly. It's in your DNA. You were made for it. It is for you. So use it. Mm -hmm. Tap into it. The eagle is not giving instructions on how to fly. He was born with the instincts. When it has grown to a particular level, they don't give it an instruction manual. It's in his DNA. When put in a position where it needs to fly, it will fly. <laughs> it will not just fly, it will soar. Yes, sir. And the same way you were born with the DNA. You were born in Christ with the DNA for the supernatural. Your, your, your father is the master of the supernatural. Oh, the firstborn of this race you've been born into. Express so many things in the supernatural. Your family line is a family line of the supernatural. It's in your DNA. Function in it. Am I waking somebody up? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Function in it. A life devoid of the supernatural is an aberration. I take it again. A life devoid of the supernatural is an aberration. You were born to do this. Yes, sir. You became a believer by the Spirit, and the same Spirit is the source of charismatic gifts. So tap into the reservoir. You are going to pray this night. Some of you, you've not prayed prayers that you mean. You are going to pray. My life is not devoid of the supernatural. I tap into the reservoir of power by the spirit on my inside. Listen, this is a sensitive period we are going into. This is a time to take away every Every space for the devil to enter your mind and say they might be praying like this. I'm not going to pray. If you are going to get it, you are going to pray like this. 
It's an instruction in the word. To not do it is to be disobedient to the word. Hallelujah. So you see a person functioning the supernatural. It's not, oh, God gave him. No, your response should be, I can do the same. I have the same spirit that caused him to do that. I can do it. I can do it. That's my life. That's my life. Say that's my life. That's my life. The supernatural is my life. Supernatural is my life. My name or Rebeneke Enough passiveness towards the things of God. Enough passiveness towards the supernatural. You are living a life of contradiction every day. There is a sick person in your house you cannot lay hands on. You've not even attempted or tried. Enough living a life of contradiction. How can you be born to heal the sick and raise the dead and you've never done it before? How can you be born to be a light to your generation and you are wearing a basket on your head all through? This is just an introduction and we are going to pray. You have that spirit on your inside. What you need to do is you take from within and you put upon and you function. You tap into the deep well of the spirit on your inside. You bring out. You draw out. You draw out. The gifts are there. It's your life. The gifts are there. It's your life. Some of you, when you are put in a position, you function. The reason maybe why you've not done is you've not put a, when you go out to evangelize and you see a sick person, you touch and you say, be healed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Say, that's my life. That's my life. The supernatural is for you. The supernatural is for me. God gave you a mind that can think to do the impossible. You limit with your mind. You limit with your mind. You limit with your mind. I told one of you today. I said there were certain things in the word of God that were a result of desire. Mm. Healing was made available. But the science of healing with handkerchief was discovered because of a desire. Nobody taught the woman with the issue of blood that there is a method of receiving power that is touching the garments. She discovered it by what? By desire. She wanted it and she got it. Nobody taught the people who placed cups on the road for the shadows of the apostles to touch. What got them there? A desire, a belief in the supernatural. Not just always give me, give me, receive. I want to receive, I want to receive. Sometimes there are problems I should not be hearing that you are bringing to me to pray over the person. Pray! Yes, sir. I'm raising a people that are charismatic. If you've been slacking all your life, it is time to wake up. Say, my hands heal! My hands heal! Oh, we are not talking like people who are convinced. Say, my hands heal! My hands heal! My ears hear. My ears hear. My ears see. My eyes see. By the power of the Holy Ghost. By the power of the Holy Ghost. If you've never spoken in tongues, 
Simplify. Say, I've not spoken in tongues in the coming. As we pray, the power of the Lord is, listen, it's already in you. Nobody's going to teach you, say, kata, kapoko. No. You have the DNA. The spirit dwells on your inside. That same spirit is what you will stand up and will give you utterance. Don't wait for him to hold your mouth to speak. You open your mouth and you speak. And the words will come by the spirit. So if you don't speak in tongues, signify in the comment section. You've never prophesied, you will give an utterance before the end of this meeting. Oh, this is not the time to act shy. This is not the time to say, oh, I can't do it. Oh, I'm shy. This is not that time. This is a time to do what you were born to do. To do what? What you were born to do. Those who are sick, open your heart and your expectation today and the healing will happen as we pray. Those who don't flow in the supernatural, covet it, desire it, you focus on it as we pray. I stir up prophecy through me. I function in the prophetic. That's how you're going to pray. Tongues and prophecy, they are for you. You cannot see an instruction for it three times in the word of God and you are not doing it. It is for you. Jesus did all he did on this earth, making use of the supernatural. I dare say, if you will do all he has sent you to do, you need the supernatural. Are you ready to pray? Yes, sir. I would need you to unmute your mic. Are you ready to? This is not the kind of prayer that you pray lying on your bed. This is the kind of prayer that you pray standing up and pacing your room. Begin to pray in the language of the Spirit. I take from within and I pull upon I desire the gifts of the Spirit. I desire to prophesy. I desire to prophesy. My eyes see. My eyes see. My eyes see. My eyes see. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Do you know what it means? For Saul to meet Ananias. Two men to meet each other. And have already known each other. And Paul, Saul who was blind, was met by Ananias. And he knew he was Ananias. That's the supernatural. Do you know who Saul was? He was one who persecuted the Christians. Right before, I will now be waking up. Saul was one who persecuted Christians, a new convert. The Bible called Ananias a disciple, a brother, a student. And they met each other, and they knew and they had met each other before. Do you know what that means? Cornelius, who was not yet saved, had a vision of Peter. Peter had a dream and saw him. Some of you beginning from today, you will step into places. It will feel as if you've been there before and it's because you've been there in the spirit. Hey. Hey. 
You will meet people, you will not think about them as you shake them, and you will tell them and they will listen to you. You are not talking about it.